on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Dr. Lehman, presented by River Wind Casino. We recap OU's absolute beatdown of Nebraska, and we recap some of the other big games in week three of college football, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, September 19th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. Go gamble at Riverwind, people. Go go have yourself a fun time. To learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of September, visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review. And a nice comment. Oh, also tell your friends about the podcast. Spread the word. I mean, I, I know a lot of people have been listening to, to this for a long time, but spread the word. We we still want to grow, Ted. That's right. You know, growth is key. Let's do it. Let's go, yeah. people. Yeah. Tell tell everyone you know to listen to the pod. How we feeling, man? Saturday was fun. It was fun. Feel good. Um, good road win. We know that. We know that Nebraska obviously has their issues right now, which is fine, but we knew coming right out of the gate, you're going to have an emotional fan base, emotional football team. And that is exactly what you got. That, that is definitely what you got. And this is the impressive thing. And we're, we're going to do what we always do. You're going to break the down the defense. I'm going to break down the offense, but I, I do not care how bad Nebraska is. For for OU to fall down seven to nothing, and for that place to be rocking the way that it was, and then to absorb all of that and rattle off forty nine unanswered, that's really impressive. It's really really impressive, and it speaks to Brent Venable's leadership, uh, the rest of the coaching staff's leadership, and to also it speaks to the leadership on that roster, the players on that team, because that could have gone south quickly. I mean, that place was breathing fire, man. I always take my headphones out to hear how loud it is. And when they were up 7 nothing, OU's offense was back on the field. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. 
It was, I mean, it was rocking, but for them to get punched in the mouth, eat it, and respond the way that they did, man. And it wasn't just offensively or defensively. It was all three phases, special teams, both sides of the ball. I I was really impressed. I won't lie. Totally agree. Um, they won all three phases. It, it That is as complete of a football game as we've put together so far. Um, well, playing complimentary football. And here's the thing. You still got tons of room for improvement. And I love the trajectory. We're three games in. And I'm seeing guys that are playing so much better than they were in week one. It's not even close. And I, I, I fully expect these guys to continue to get better and better week by week. I, I, I do. There's, and we'll go through it as we hit kind of player by player, breaking, breaking down what went on. Uh, there's guys that all of a sudden it's like, this, this looks like a football team. Yeah. All right, let's start with the defense, man. What'd you think? All around, I thought it was excellent. You know, just just broad picture, I thought it was excellent. First series out of the gate was an interesting one. Um, we didn't know necessarily what changes we were going to get with Frost out, Whipple kind of, uh, you know, having full go of the offense. And we saw it right out of the gate. They're hitting us on this little zone play on the edge and it was it was an rpo where you got trips you run zone right at it and you know you have the ability to pull it and throw the bubble on the outside and they they did that a couple of times and gashed us for for 10 or 12 yards and they were also having success you know given it because it really stresses out bowman bowman was the guy that was under a, a big amount of stress there it didn't help that, you know, our at, at the point of attack defensive line was getting caved a little bit on that side. Just I, and it wasn't necessarily that we were getting like just pushed around. I think it was just a little bit of a lack of understanding what exactly they were trying to attack and how they were doing it. And once we got to the sideline and got it got it figured out, wasn't necessarily any adjustment that we had to make. We just had to be a little bit stronger there at the point of attack. And, you know, we, we got a lot of that stuff figured out. So I love the way they adjusted after that, that first drive. And from that point on until really deep in the game, it was team defense, tackling, holding point, getting to the quarterback, um, you know, zone coverage, forcing the throw underneath and rallying up to tackle. Nothing crazy, just good sound defense and and ultimately that's what you want to see i i I agree and venables that he had talked to the defense about this before the game right that they were going to the nebraska there was going to be this surge right off the jump and that you know the the game would come down to how they responded to that surge and I think all the guys on defense, like that first drive happened. He was like, Hey, you told us this was going to happen. And then they got to work on the sideline, you know, Venables in the middle of that defensive huddle, you know, drawing everything out. And, and I think Deshaun white at that cheetah position and Billy Bowman, 
got on the same page of how they were going to fit some of those things. And once they figured it out, Ted, that, I mean, they had some success, you know, throughout the football game, but to hold them scoreless, even as bad as I talked about their offensive line being, which still not good, Nebraska's offensive line, still not good, but to, to hold that team essentially scoreless, that, that garbage touchdown does not count to me. It doesn't count my much to hold that team scoreless essentially from that point on. That's that's really impressive on the road with everything going on for them to stay that locked in, even when the game clearly was out of hand. I was I was really pleased. Totally agree. Um I guess I'll just start going through some guys that I thought played really well. Reggie Grimes, mm-hmm. that dude, I'm telling you, from you watch him last year in that Oregon game, and, you know, he's strong, he's got a motor, doesn't really know what to do with it. He's just kind of flying around on the football field, which, you know, you end up being out of position and stuff, but you could tell that there was a tremendous amount of want to with him. And it kind of looked that way to start off this season. Right now, he looks like a 10-year vet all of a sudden, playing with really low pad level. The punch he has, hold, you know, and we played that three-man front to where he's playing in a four-eye most, most of the time, which is the inside eye of the tackle. And that's not an easy spot for a defensive end. I mean, you get doubled by some big dudes in there, and, you know, whenever he's got a tight end over him, he's a little bit different alignment, but they have some really big tight ends and he's getting doubled by tackles, tight ends, and they don't budge him at all. He doesn't go anywhere. Um, does a real good job whenever he he gets to an edge and is in a pass rush. He's really good at this push-pull that he's working on right now. He plays with a tremendous motor. I, 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 I'm pretty tempted to say that Reggie Grimes is the best player on defense right now. I. And that may that may surprise some people after this game because you look at I think a lot of people get caught up in the stat lines, right? And, and he's had some you know multiple sack games, no sacks in this game, only one tackle for loss. He opened up so many things for other guys because they couldn't move him. Yep. Like I I can't stress, and it's not sexy. It's the least sexy part of playing defensive line. But when you're playing that three-man front, if you're taking two and they're getting no movement on you, in fact, maybe you're knocking them back a little bit, that's massive for a defense. And he did it all damn game. And even though he wasn't racking up the stats, he was doing his job at a very high level and it allowed other guys to be free and go make plays. He was fantastic. Um, you know, just some of the rest, some of the other guys on the D line. I thought, uh, I thought Kelly had a pretty good game. There was a couple of plays where he got high and got blown out of there. Yep. But other than that, I thought he played a good game on the inside. I thought Isaiah Coe, whenever he's low, you cannot move the dude. He, it's the same thing. Doubled on the inside, center and guard on some of those run schemes and whenever he has a good pad level 
absolutely no movement. So you've got no movement on 14 on the edge. You got no movement on 94 on the inside. And then you got no movement on, uh, on 40 downs on the other end. And when that happens, it's just, it's just a wall of bodies for the running back that just kind of slams into with nowhere to go. Um, I thought all those guys did really well. One of the guys that I thought was a, a, a really nice surprise, Luulu. He played a really nice game. His technique, whenever he first showed up, you know, I, I, the coaches were talking about, he's like, you know, he's got some really good upside. He's got some good length to him. He's strong, but plays high, doesn't know what he's doing, is out of position. You know, a lot of times defensive ends, whenever you run up the field, you expose your, your buddies on the back end. He's doing a way better job staying flat on the line of scrimmage, staying square whenever they're running away from him. When they're running to him, he's he can anchor really good. He's got good long arms. And we saw him on a couple of pass rushes. What I, I don't know what his stat line was. I know he had at least one sack, maybe two. Um one and a half. One and a half. For one and a half TFLs, he had one sack. Yeah. He 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 played really well. And if he continues to come around, I mean, you think about between Grimes, Downs, Luulu, um, you know, Stripling got a little run out there. Clayton Smith got some run. We're strong at at the defensive end spot. And I guess we didn't see our Mason Thomas at all, did we? No, I didn't even see him on the trip. Yeah. Um, so I, I liked what I saw from those guys as a group. Really, really, really good. Um, and I think they're going to continue to get better. That's the thing. Where they were week one to where they are now, it's not even close. It's not. It's, it's everyone's playing low. They, I think because of how they've played the first three games and, and kind of what they've done statistically, not individual, but as a defense, I think everyone's having this like epiphany of, oh, that's why I stay in my gap. That's why I maintain my leverage. That's why I do this hard work on the inside. I fight like hell to maintain this gap. And it all works together for everyone. And I feel like everyone's kind of starting to get that and, and understanding that if they just lock down what they're supposed to do, like the stats are going to come. It may not be great every game, but if you do what you're supposed to do as a defense, you're going to thrive. And I think, I think the D line is starting to recognize that um, on the back end Bowman. Excellent. Runs. Tackles, great in coverage, flies around the field. Not a whole lot else to say. After that first series, he got his bearings uh, about him. He was fantastic. He was an absolute missile out there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, inside backer, Stutzman and Aguebu. I thought they were both. I think it was it was one of those games where they're in the right place. Now, I think Aguebu's next really transformation as a player is he's he's starting to understand where he goes, where he needs to go but he's not getting there with violence. You can kind of see him fitting his gaps and he's kind of tiptoeing in there high uh, and fitting into his, into his spot instead of going in there when a guard is on a double and trying to tear his shoulder off. Whenever you come into your gap, whenever he's got half a half a half his body on a double team, same, same stuff on, and they, they came on a lot of blitzes, right? I mean, BV dialed it up with with the three backers in, in that three three five look and i i kind of agree with you probably could pack a little more punch on in, in those blitz situations right now he's canceling out his gap like he's doing his job right but i do think you you, you make a good point there yeah that's that's the next evolution like you figure out where you fit you get comfortable with that and then you have to start doing it with some with some confidence and with some violence behind you. Um, I thought Stutzman was, I, I, he was a little more lost in, in this scheme than he was the, the one we saw the, the prior two weeks, not bad. I, I'm not saying that he was bad. He was just kind of, he was feeling his way around a little bit more than he typically does. You know, he, he typically, it's not a problem for him to be playing super fast and running all over the place. I think he he was he was a you know just kind of um, a little more tentative this week. Not a big deal. I thought he and um, he and Aguebu both probably graded decently, but you know they didn't set the world on fire. Um, I thought Deshaun White was good. It, it took him a little bit to get his bearings as well on some of the these things. You know, it's the first game that they've really played. There's been a just a small handful of snaps in this in this scheme, so to go out there and play a full game in it, um, I thought thought he did really well. And whenever he had to leave the game, I thought Canet came in and did some really good things. Now, he made some mistakes that young guys make, like overrunning some stuff, getting a little bit too over your toes before you go in to make a tackle on a guy and getting juked, and you know some of those things are just growing pains. They have to happen out there for you to for you to learn from them. But all in all, you could just tell that he's going to be a little bit different than everyone else, you know, the way he's playing as a true freshman. There's there's no doubt as far as – because, right, that cheetah spot, right? I thought before Deshaun White got ejected for targeting, which made a mistake. He knew it immediately. We all knew he was going to get tossed. Just a, an unfortunate play. Now, it was a great timing on the blitz. Like, it yeah. was – like it was a really nice play by him before he just kind of headbutted Casey Thompson there right in the face. I I thought he played 
as fast as I've ever seen him play. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in the perfect example, and I think you can really see BV's imprint in this one play. They throw that bubble in the second quarter. He recognizes the formation. He beats both wide receivers to it. The ball hits him in the damn back mm-hmm. because he knows what's coming, right? And, like, that's preparation and recognition and having confidence in that preparation and going. I thought I thought he did some really good things as a blitzer as well, and it was just good unfortunately time. he got tossed. But I, I did you, – you can see Canick is going to be – He's going to be a hell of a football player. He's not there yet. He's not even close to there yet. And I loved what BB said after the game. Like, he doesn't even know how to play linebacker right now. But yeah. the physical tools, oh, yeah. Yep, yep. He made, he did some impressive things out there physically. And you, the, the Sean White play that you referenced is it, – it's showing the – the growth of this defense. And it's something that we, you know, we've seen some stuff like that in the past. I shouldn't say that, but it's starting to appear that the guys are recognizing what it means to play team defense. Like I talked about a little bit earlier, but it's starting to look like we're, we are able to anticipate what's coming, right? Instead of just lining up and trying to be in the right spot and, play it as it comes to you. We've got guys anticipating, you know, knowing, playing what's what's about to happen. They are a, a step ahead, which I think is excellent. Um, do we even have corners on this defense? It It's amazing, and it's a good thing. Whenever you're not talking about corners, it's a good thing. Our Our, our guys have done a really good job. They're not letting anything behind them. The pass interference on Jaden Davis was an egregious call. It was terrible. Um, I think those guys are playing great. We saw Kanai Walker come in, and he made a really nice play from corner, really aggressive, went up and, and made a big physical tackle. I think those guys have been great. Um, like All in all, I thought it was a, a really, really sound performance all the way around. And like I said, it's going to get better. It is. It It's going to get better. I thought it it showed a lot of maturity. Like you mentioned, they played, what, a handful of snaps in that defensive structure in the first two games? Mm-hmm. And to play pretty much exclusively out of it and to do all the complex things. That, listen, I watched it, and I put myself like – in the place of Nebraska's center. And it kind of gave me anxiety watching it because there was a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, they were bringing stuff from it. I was like, Oh boy, that did they, they shift all the way over to where the defensive end is lined up, head up over the, he's in a zero over the center. And you've got like two backers and a, and a nickel on it's crazy. And, and you can see all of Nebraska's offensive line, like turning and talking to each other. Like what the hell are we looking at? I felt so bad for him, but the scheme, I mean, it was clear the scheme, uh, all the pressure, it, it overwhelmed Nebraska's offensive line and they weren't any good anyways, but they, 
there are some plays where you could just tell they they had no idea where it was coming from. They're even a little bit of guessing and just did not go particularly well for them up front. The beauty of it is, okay, well, now, now some people know that they they have the ability to play that for a full game. So imagine the you you essentially now have to prepare for two defenses every week. A traditional four-man front, four-man, you know, four-three, you know, and then a totally different three-three-five. It's it's it makes it tough. You you don't know what you're going to get, what they're going to major in now. So it really okay. Everyone gets to see it, but just doubled your workload. Also, in the first game, it's like. Played a bunch of zones. Second game, played a quite bit, quite a bit more man coverage wise. This game, all kinds of pressure covered from everywhere. It's Kansas State's going to prepare for this game. Going, I don't know. I mean, let's we'll see what they we'll let's see what they decide. <laughs> like I, any anything else defensively? Um, turnovers, good. Pressure on the quarterback, good. Playing behind the line of scrimmage, good. Tackling good i it was a good performance it was all right let's talk about ou's offense against the corn huskers so 49 points and it could have been what probably 60 could have been 60 i yeah. think that's a safe that's safe to say most points ou has ever scored against nebraska and lincoln and they like they, they called the dogs off i mean venables absolutely called the dogs off for that entire fourth quarter. Not sure how many they would have scored, but I think 60 is a pretty safe bet. So let's start with Dylan Gabriel. I thought the touchdown run was the biggest play of the game. No doubt. Uh, that, that place was rocking and for him to go 61 yards, show those sweet feet on the sidelines, stay in bounds and go and score. I, I thought that it completely shifted the momentum of that football game. And he showed some speed. I mean, the guy can run. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Also, go back and watch that play, people. Jalil Farouk blocks his guy for 20, 25 yards. Just vice grips him, never lets go. And Braden Willis comes from the backside of the play to block a guy through the end zone <laughs> on that play. Which is becoming that is becoming Braden Willis's brand. Yep. Playing hard, playing harder than anyone on the field and just blocking dudes into the ground. So, but that 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 QB draw, great play call by Levy, great execution, uh, great downfield blocking, and a massive touchdown. As far as Dylan's performance as a passer, about as inaccurate as I remember can remember seeing him and that includes you know watching him in spring ball watching him in camp you know the first two games i don't know what it was ted like just missing high i just missed high quite a bit but he did have yeah i, I say that then he has an absolute dime to farouk on the double move right the slant yeah. kind of he kind of took it as slant and turned it into an inside fade wasn't quite a slate and go. It was like he got back outside a little bit, which I thought was – it was a beautiful route by Farouk, but just a perfect throw from Dylan Gabriel on that touchdown. Uh, 
fit it in a very small window in between two defenders to Theo Weiss for that touchdown. Right. Great. But I, I think that Dylan Gabriel will be the first one to tell you, he left some yards out there in the passing game and he's, he's going to be ultra motivated to prove that he's more accurate than that. But as far as his decision-making thought it was good. He just, he missed some throws. We haven't seen him miss up to this point. And if he would have hit those boy, it would have been, it would have been a massive day in the passing game for him. Do you think he's, do you, do you think he's locking on to guys a little bit too much? I see. I, when, when you look at some of the RPO stuff, I feel like some of that stuff is kind of one read, two read type thing. And like, yeah. so you, it's only natural. You know what I mean? Like if you're looking at a defender, you know, which route you're trying to throw in behind him, that type of stuff. I, I don't think there's sometimes, it, uh, and for whatever reason, sometimes it feels like it's Braden Willis in the middle of the field when he's kind of locking onto him. But I thought there were plenty of times in this game where you could see him going, hey, one to two to three. I, I, you can really, he's very demonstrative with his eyes and where he's looking in his progressions. But I, I liked where he went with the football. He just missed guys. You yeah. know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I thought he, I thought he, I thought he played well considering uh, the atmosphere and everything and the way it, it had a little bit of a rocky start going there. It took them a little bit to, to find some things, but all in all, I think it was pretty good for him, but you're right. It's, it's hard to look past some of the things that they left out there. And I, I guess my only concern is, and it's not much of one, but we're three games in. Have we seen him? Is he getting better? I, I was surprised by some of the throws he missed in this game. And I don't know what it was like. It, it was like, could he, I don't know if he couldn't grip the ball well, or what it was. I mean, cause it was just kind of fluttering high. I, and some of them he missed by a lot, not like a little, like guys are running open for possible touchdowns. And he's just, I, I don't know. It was, it was a little strange. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We had I, seen him be very, very accurate up to this point. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. You know, someone mentioned to me that, they felt like they feel like it's whenever he tries to put some extra juice on it, he sells it. And you know, that may be the case because it does feel like those are the the throws that end up selling a little bit. But you know, he has made some accurate throws where he had to really, you know, hammer it in there. Like Theo Weese touchdown, he had to hammer that one in there. So I don't know. I you know what? I of all the things we talk about in football, like the quarterback and the throwing mechanics and why a guy's missing, I don't have an idea. I have no yeah, clue. That's uh <laughs> that is that's certainly not uh not our expertise, but I mean it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that he missed some throws we would expect him to connect on. Right. Yeah. You think of you know the one to Mims uh, on kind of a deeper slant. Similar thing for Farouk, skinny post, both of those possible touchdowns, right? If he puts yeah. them where we know he's capable 
of putting them, but I feel like we're really nitpicking the QB <laughs> that just went and scored 49. No, we <laughs> let are. It, we are. it was good. I, I thought he was solid. And I think that, I think that run loosened him up a little bit after that, yeah. that yeah. first series and was able to, you know, go out there and have fun. And I think that's whenever he's at his best. Yeah. We'll say, and this is just once again, the nitpicking still doesn't need to take those sacks. Yeah. Just want to say that that gets counted as sacks against not the old line's fault. Just pointed it out. No, I'm just, but all in all uh, to go lead that offense, handle that environment. Um, he'll, he'll, he'll connect on those throws. He'll get that ironed out. Okay. Running backs wise, Eric gray. Now, Woo. sheesh. I, this game is a sooner. I feel like he, I keep saying that he heard everyone saying that Marcus major should be RB one. I, I mean, he played that way. He, he played with by far the most speed and suddenness I've ever seen him play with in an OU uniform. I mean, he looked great. Both touchdown runs. I mean, just embarrassing guys with his elusiveness. I mean, turning them in circles. We, we had talked a lot about him making guys miss one-on-one in space. Uh, oh, yeah. Mission accomplished for Eric <laughs> Grant. I mean, I, I loved what we saw from him. I did too. I, I continue to be impressed with him. He's, you know, once he, once he really gets his um, eyes set on who's going to be that, that unblocked tackler and he can make him miss, man, uh, he looks really good. And he's still – you know, I know we we talk about Marcus Major and and the tough yards that that he gets, but it's not like Eric Gray is a pushover. He's running really physical as well. Uh, he's tough to bring down. Usually takes multiple guys, lowers his pads. Yeah, I I love the one two punch we've got right now, at running back. I think both those guys are excellent. Yeah, and as and, far as and, the running game, it, one guy may have the hot hand one one game, and the next uh, have the hot hand in the other game, and. I don't think that's a problem at all. It's just something that you got to roll with. Yeah, no, I hear you. And as far as the running game really saw more of the concepts I had been expecting to see from Jeff Levy uh, saw way more. It's kind of an inside version of split zone. I, what do we want to call that counter concept? Because th- this is what I came with when I was, when I was going through it, I came up with, do you want to call do you want to call Braden Willis an F or a Y? Well, he's kind of an F in that play, but it doesn't really matter. I I would call him a, a Y because there's like for him to be an F, I think there has to be a tight end in a tight end position. Okay. I'm gonna call him, I'm gonna call that play, then I'm gonna call it Y return counter. Cause it's kind of like a return route, you know, what do you think? No, yeah, stupid. I like it. I like it. Yeah. It's, um, it messes with the running backs or excuse me, linebackers eyes a little bit. Typically whenever you've got a, um, uh, a, a, an H back or a Y, whatever in that offset spot, that's, that's who linebackers are king to take you to the play, how you're going to fit. He's, he's going to insert as the next gap, whether he runs right ahead as a lead whether he runs back across the formation as a split zone, whether he's, you know, um, you know, the, the lead guy, whenever they run power, like that's who you key. And whenever he shuffles 
against the grain. It's just natural for those backers to, to move a little bit with him. I also thought the timing of all of it, right? Chris Murray coming over and kicking out and then Braden Willis or Daniel Parker inserting on that concept. And they had a lot of success with it. I thought the timing worked out really well too. So, you know, timing is important in those gaps keeps. We should call it the hammer counter because they do like the MC hammer dance, like the little the shuffle. shuffle. To, okay. To we could call it the hammer, the hammer, <laughs> the can't touch this counter. No, I, I can get on board with hammer counter there. So named hammer counter. Now I'll start labeling it that way. Um, speaking of hammers, Marcus major. Yep. I mean, all that dude does is get tough yards. I just realized what I said. It may be interpreted. Um, yeah, never mind. We'll move on. But he, that guy runs tough, man. And the, I, I've never seen a walk-in touchdown easier than them running goal line power. Oh, that was, that was as easy as it gets for a running back beautifully executed. And I left it. Marcus Major got in the end zone. He was like, uh, Oh, uh, no I'm here. <laughs> I've scored. All right. What How do about I do? Tell you're getting around there on the power. Looking he, pretty we'll good. get to him. Okay. We'll get to him because I've been, I've been rather critical of our guy McCain. I'm actually going to say some nice stuff about it, but don't, don't let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. <laughs> anything else about the running backs? Barnes continues to look really explosive. Tolly Walker had a couple game. good carries. Yeah. I, yeah. I think everyone that we play at that spot right now brings some, um, some really good stuff and, and they're each a little bit different, which is good. Yeah. All right. Wide receiver wise, Marvin Mims. I mean, he just might be the best player on this team. Uh, continues to make a massive impact on the game. Should have had two touchdowns, right? First of all, Marvin, reach the ball out. Get, give yourself a touchdown. Just reach it out. It's okay. It's not selfish. Just that it, it would have made everyone's life easier. We wouldn't have had to waste those 10 minutes on the review. It would have been fun. But, and remember, the guy tackles him on that long, on that deep post route, or else that's a touchdown as well. So his stats would have looked even better than they did. And I don't think his stat line necessarily, necessarily reflects how well he played and just how fast he looks out there, man. The speed he's playing That's with great. is is really impressive. And I don't think you can you kind of overstate how important he was as a punt returner in this game. I mean, those punt returns in the first half, they were – they were a big part of OU blowing the game open the way that they did. Totally agree. He's he's got more bounce than he's ever had. He's he's got a like a confidence and a leadership quality to him that is a little bit different. Um, it's not so much. I know he's I know he's out to prove something this year. Um, you always are, but. I don't know. It's hard to place his mentality. I feel like it's coming from a place of leadership instead of a, a place of, I don't know, trying to, trying to prove some, I don't, I don't know. It's it's hard to really, hard to really put words as to, to the way that he's playing. It's just, it's different. It's a different feel than what he's had previously. And I love it. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay. Jalil Farouk. Uh, it, this wasn't quite the breakout game, I would say. I, I still think he's capable of more. 
But and that stat line little would have looked really good if Dylan Gabriel would have hit him on that post route. Probably scores a long touchdown on that one if they connect right there. But one thing is obvious: the guy is dynamic, and even he takes that short hitch, and you can just see, okay, there's the suddenness. That's why the coaching staff has been so excited about him. A uh, great double move, great route on the touchdown. A uh, great throw by Dylan on that one. But I I also, I continue to be impressed with his effort as a blocker, right? He is, and, and I'm hoping that that performance kind of, I don't know, lets him relax a little bit. I feel like he's been pressing and pressing and pressing and now, Finally, a little success, scores the touchdown, and maybe now he can just go out and play his game. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think there's probably some a little bit of frustration under the surface for him because there's been some big opportunities that they just haven't been able to, to give him the right ball and connect on some of those, but he's not letting it affect him. He's, he's playing his tail off. Like you said, he's blocking uh, like a madman out there on some of these run plays and down the field convoy blocking. Um, if you just keep that up, what do we? What is it? The football gods will take care of you, right? At yeah. some point, it's all going to come back, and it's starting to for him. But that double move was sweet, it, yeah. uh, really nice, great ball, a uh, great route by him. Uh, it was fantastic. I expect that to continue to be a bigger part of of this offense. Is is what we see from number three. Yeah, and then Drake Stoops, Theo Weiss, uh, just reliable guys, man, out there executing at a high level. Clearly, hell of a catch by Theo on, on his touchdown. Thought Drake had some really nice catches in traffic, uh, some big plays there early in the game. But, yeah, handed some of that speed sweet stuff to Drake as well. Overall, I mean, I, I feel like we know what we're getting from those two guys. And Theo wasn't feeling well either. I mean, he was over there on the sideline, I think a little dehydrated or something, but I thought that I thought both of those guys were, were rock solid per usual. Yeah. But always, you know, exactly what you're going to get from Drake. He's going to play on special teams. He's going to play with a tremendous amount of effort. He's going to, he's going to pretty much convert the first down every time he touches the football. Um, the dude finds the chains no matter what he's, he's super quick good after the catch and I like the I like the different ways that Lebby you know finds the ball or finds ways to get him the ball and convert some of those and Theo Weiss is he's what you want he's a big dependable target that catches the ball that will go in and make the tough grab in traffic and you know he can make plays yards after catch he's tough to bring down really good all-around receiver yeah okay tight end wise Daniel Parker thought he did a nice job Again, we saw some more 12 personnel stuff. Brings a lot of physicality. Had the nice catch, yep. right? but brings a lot of physicality to the position. But Braden Willis continues to just jump off the tape. And he and, and this isn't a slide at anyone else, but he plays harder than anyone else on the field. It's impressive. I mean, he plays, he plays as hard as I can remember anyone playing for Oklahoma offensively in a long time. And I know him throwing the touchdown pass, right? was the highlight, right? That's, I mean, that's cool. Throwing it back to the high school quarterback days, but, and that was great execution on that play. Maybe he should have put it out in front 
for Marcus Major, so he didn't have to turn. I'll just say that. It could have been a more more accurate ball from uh, old weight room Willie, but he he has been fantastic in the running game as a blocker. And, you know, I talked about his effort uh, on DG's uh, QB draw run that was so important. But, I mean, the guy is just finishing guys into the ground on an absurdly regular basis. Yep. And I, I don't know if people realize how hard that is to do, to play with that amount of effort, but he does it dang near every snap. And it's not I, – I know it's certainly not going on unnoticed by me. No, it is not going unnoticed by me either. Braden Willis is – he is the exact player you have to have to to set the example for young guys whenever you are changing the culture and trying to instill something new and something different and and like what it means to be a leader and what it means to be uh, a sooner on this football team and what is expected of you and how you play every snap and how you practice every day. That is it. And a lesson to anyone playing at any level. If you want to make it to the next level, play, just start by playing harder than everyone else. Faster through the whistle on every single snap because you don't even have to be a scout. You don't have to be someone that even really knows what you're looking at. But when you watch 20, 30 plays of a game on film, it, 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 you're highlighted on the screen by how hard you play every single snap. And it doesn't take very long before it's the only thing that you're watching is this guy that plays with his hair on fire every single snap. That is exactly how you're supposed to play football. Standing ovation. Give me 100 Braden Willis's on my football team. That, that guy's amazing. Love everything about him. Yep. He's been he's been great. He has. Okay. Offensive line. I'm excited to say good things about these yes. guys. I'm excited I'm, to hear you say good things. And listen, it can always be better, right? But you go on the road, you handle that environment, you put 49, which could have been 60 on the board. I'm going to say good things about you. And I'll start with Anton Harrison. I thought it was the best game of his career. I thought for the first time, and he's done some good things. Don't get me wrong. I thought for the first time, I turned the tape on and I went, oh, okay. Because it's the most at most athletic. It's the most explosive he's ever looked on tape to me. I thought he anchored well in pass protection, but his and it was it was he had more knee bend like he just looked better and maybe it was a product of the big stage and all you know all the energy in that stadium I don't know what it was but he needs to play like that more often he needs to play that's the only way you should play yeah and that's by far the most violence I've ever seen him play with also finished blocks wanted to bury guys I 
I don't know what else to say. Now, was it perfect? Did he have some plays where you're like, come on, man? Yeah, he did. But the good was the best it's ever been in my eyes for him in this game, where I went, okay, that's what it looks like. And it made me happy. That's good. I, you know, I've, I've continued as I've watched him this season. I, I, I'm just, I'm impressed by the experience that he's showing. He, he seems to be starting, he, he's picking up the, the old man game, you know, just to where you are calm under pressure. You don't panic and, and lunge at guys. You just, you trust in your technique. You wait on them to come to you and you hold the shit out of them. I mean, it's, it's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's working it out beautifully. I, I think, um, I think part of it may be, and I think everyone goes through this to a certain degree, game shape, you know? Yeah, you can you can practice super hard, you know, through training camp, but it's just it ends up being way different than it is in a game. And, you know, maybe that's why he's playing with a little better knee bend and and, and has some more aggressiveness because he's he's in better game shape and has the, uh, you know, the the energy level to be able to do it. Yeah, I just thought he had the most pop I've ever seen him have. OK. McCade Matoyer, much, much better. Yeah. Looked healthier, looked more powerful coming out of his stance, played with great effort. Now, he's still a limited athlete, right? I mean, he just is. But this is, this looked more like what I'd been expecting from him. And he had the block of the game. So on that play where Marvin doesn't stick the ball out and score that touchdown, it's it's basically it ends up being boot, right? But they're kind yep. of block and run on the front side. And he climbs to the second level, locks up with the linebacker. That ball was snapped at the nine and a half, if my memory serves me correctly. He blocks his guy through the end zone. Takes a backer for a ride through the end zone. And me and him, we we celebrated that thing <laughs> on the sideline, which was a lot of fun. But he he looked much better. Uh, I'm hoping this means that he's kind of getting back close to a hundred percent because he looked now he still had some bad moments and everyone does every offensive lineman does. It's never going to be perfect, but he looked, I mean, night and day better from what we saw from him in the first two games. I was, I, I was happy for him because honestly, I was I, I was kind of getting tired of coming on here and saying bad things about him. I won't lie. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought he looked good too. He had some attitude out there. Yeah, which is, is something we expected. Um, you know, he was great on that power down on the goal line. Had a really good physical kick out block. Um, he he just he he looked like he's having fun. Like he had some confidence. Like you know, he's the he's the toughest sob out there and that's how your guards are supposed to play that's that's great yeah okay center carry uh, it over yeah uh andrew rame this was this was the most i can remember him like straining in a game which is a good thing like Mm -hmm. in proper body position flex properly at the ankles flex properly at the knees flex properly at the hips 
straining to block humans. Engaged, straining, which is a very positive development for Rain. And he grabbed people. He actually grabbed some people. Wasn't pushing them away. Wasn't pushing them away. Grabbed them and pulled them into him in the running game. And I about cried when I watched it on tape. (laughs) And I I thought for the most part, he did a good job of getting everything communicated, especially when it was really loud in that stadium. You know, when, when I look at, and I go through and I grade each snap for every offensive lineman. When I look at my grade sheet for him, like it's, it's probably the best he's ever graded out for me, except for he had some snap issues which you, you just cannot have. So he's got to clean that up. You got to put it more within the frame of the quarterback's body. But other than that, I think there's a lot of positive to take away from this performance for Rain because those were some, I don't think they're, they're not very talented defensive tackles for Nebraska, but they're strong. They're yeah. experienced. Like I was, I was a little concerned about the matchup for him. And he's strained, man. He's strained, and he mixed it up and grabbed and held. And I was like, yes. So I, I really hope he builds on it because it was, it was about as good as it's been for him in my eyes. Just with the way, and I'm not talking about, oh, we graded out at you know X percent or whatever. Just like, just the way it looked, if yeah. that makes sense. Like, hey, he's bent. He's in position. He's got a hold. Got like he's controlling blocks. I thought that was about as good as I can remember from him up to this point, which is exciting because I want the center to play well, man. It's just like, it's the position I watched the, with the most critical eye. And I was, I was excited by some of the stuff he put on tape. That's good. That's good. And I know that centers are typically heavily affected by how the guards play too. Right. And yeah, the better, Metallier plays, it stands to reason that Rame's going to play better as well. If you're, the guy next to you is, is confident, firing off the ball, playing with some attitude, it's going to help you do the exact same. Yep. Okay, Chris Murray, a couple bad plays, but overall, he continues to be really physical, continues to be consistent. I really think he's become a good polar in those counter concepts where he gets to use kind of his height or lack thereof yeah, as a weapon, like comes in there as a kickout puller, like a little missile, which is fun. Being short helps that. And I, he, so we went down in the third quarter, right? Kind of scared all of us. He told me it was just a cramp. So, you know, hopefully that's all good. His technique, I think he's getting better with his hands and with the way he's bending and anchoring in pass protection, which is good. It's good to see, you know, he's, I think he's starting to understand he can use his height to his advantage, right. By like just playing really, really low. And it saw a little more of that, but thought Chris was good. And then the right tackle was, was an interesting spot on Saturday. So Tyler Guyton gets the start. And if it, if it weren't for a couple of mental errors, I, I'm not sure he wouldn't have been out there for longer, but Wanya Morris came in and there was kind of this back and forth between them. But as far as Guyton, you, you cannot have those mental errors, right? That That's unacceptable, but I still feel like he's a guy that's gaining confidence every time he's out there. 
right? And and as he's playing in these moments, moments he's never had as a player, right? He's going to continue to get better and better. And you can see, you can see the potential, which is which is really exciting. And Wanye comes in. And I think this thing is just going to be kind of a back and forth all year long at right tackle. And, and it's going to be kind of tough on beaten bow to decide how he wants to go with it. Cause I do think Guyton has a higher ceiling yeah. than Wanye, but he did some good things, but it, he certainly, he looked like a guy that was playing his first game of the year, right? A uh, little off balance at times. Uh, the time, you know, when he was shooting his hands, like the timing was a little off. He's got to get better with his hands. Also, he got away with a couple men. I mean, he's yeah. grabbing and torquing guys to the ground. He's going to get called for that stuff in, in games. So you got to, he, he's got to play better. Guyton's got to play better. That right tackle spot has to, you know, has to get a little more solidified, but overall, I didn't think either of them were bad by any means, anything like that. But if, they need to find a higher level of consistency at that right tackle spot, in my opinion. Who do you think gets the start this week? I I honestly don't know. I would start Guyton, but it's not up to me. Yeah. Um. In Kansas State, they've got, I mean, Felix and you, and you DK Uzama's the real deal, man. Yeah. And he's going to be coming off that edge. So do you throw Guyton out there and say, hey, man, are you going to sink or are you going to swim? I I don't know. But, you know, Wanye, he, he, he needs to be more physical. Now, yeah. he did have one block on the backside of inside zone, which was, I mean, he threw the dude out the club, and it <laughs> made me so happy to watch. But he's got it. He's got to play with more of an attitude. He's playing with good effort. He's got to be more physical, right? There's got to be more violence, especially in pass protection. It's very catch-oriented as opposed to, okay, I'm going to punch you. I'm going to use my hands like I'm a boxer and knock the air out of your chest type situation. Like, it's it's everything. It's kind of – he's absorbing everything, which he's a big, strong guy, so you can do that, but – when you start playing better players, that that can get you in trouble. Well, I don't it, think I answered your question. No, but I, I think it's certainly good that there's options there. You've got a young guy that maybe has more upside, and you've got uh, a little more seasoned player that's played in the first game of the year for him, and you know maybe maybe he'll round out as well. So, you know. Hopefully it doesn't take long and we get that right tackle spot solidified and back to level play with the rest of the group. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It just, there wasn't the level of consistency from either guy yeah. that I'm hoping to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, Hey, I want, I want you to play with a certain level of consistency. I understand you're going to get beat some plays. I mean, that's life uh, along the offensive line, but I, I it can't be it can't be a roller coaster of performance where one play oh man you look great the next play you like you don't look like you know what you're doing they can't ride that roller coaster anywhere along the offensive line so we'll we'll see we'll see what beaten bow ends up doing but I feel like it's going to be kind of a back and forth thing maybe all year long all right let's get to call your shot 
we asked you guys for your biggest takeaway from OU's beatdown of Nebraska. The big red beatdown, Ted. The big yeah. red beatdown. Uh, I love this response from Chris Moon. Short and simple. TFLs, that is all. Yeah. We were what were we leading the country in TFLs or was that Sachs one or the other? We we're leading so, in one and second in the other. It was it was what nine in the first game, 14 last week, another nine this week. I believe, and I'd have to check, but I, I'm gonna make an educated guess. Never mind. I just Googled it. Number one in the country in tackles for loss, the Oklahoma Sooners. That helps. That helps a lot. 32. Yeah. And those statistics are incredibly important. That's why we were also frustrated on that last touchdown because, you know, you keep that scoring total down. And, you know, I, I can tell that they're playing better defense. I think everyone can tell, but you need the whole country to be able to know. And you need your name right there at the top in the statistics. And, you know, I, we're doing a good job. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I just, I want the payoff to be there for the guys to be able to see it and, and have that to be proud of. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Okay. This last one comes from Robert Binswanger who says it was very noticeable. They don't wait until halftime to start making adjustments. It's immediate. It's immediate. It honestly caught me off guard. <laughs> Yeah, you could see the adjustments taking place uh, after the defense gave up that opening touchdown. Like BV was right there in the middle of the defense, you know, going through it all every single play and does that routinely throughout the game. So, yeah, the adjustments are an ongoing thing during every series, after every series, throughout the entire game. Yeah. Um, Venables doing his thing man it's like it's like watching watching an artist paint it's awesome yeah he is a he is a busy man he's he's so like he's so locked in on everything that i bet for him the game feels like it takes 45 minutes you know what i'm saying that you're you're always just so like in it there's never a a down moment where things kind of drag on. Yeah. Uh, he said it after the first game. He was like, that went fast. <laughs> yeah. Can imagine. I bet it did. All right. Birthday shout outs. Happy fourth birthday to Maverick and Cinder Capshaw. Cinder, C I N D E R, Cinder, Cinder. 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 Happy, happy 29th birthday to Jordan Baloo. Happy 30th birthday to Emily Luthji. Luthji. I can't even. I... Luthi. Is the J silent? Luthi. Luthji. Luji. Is the TH silent? Luji. Oh, we covered them all. It's got to be one of those. <laughs> Happy 38th birthday to Josh Crawford. Happy 56th birthday to Sandy Baddiest. I'm guessing I forgot a D on that one. Yeah. Happy birthday to Megan Brewer. I got the easy ones this week. Sandy Baddiest. I hope that's your name, Sandy. I'm sorry. Congrats to Tanner and Ariel on closing on their first house. Congrats, guys. That's awesome. And then a couple late additions. 
Happy 46th birthday to Chris Duke and happy sixth birthday to Bravery Cole Revere Whitna. Wow. How about that? That is a name. All right. Let's recap some of the best games of week three in college football. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offers. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. All right, National College Football Roundup. Let's recap a couple games from week three. Texas Tech went to NC State, and man, did they play bad. Uh, 27-14 win for NC State. This was an ugly football game. Uh, Joey McGuire cannot be happy with how his team played. They just made all kinds of mistakes, man. And any time it felt like they got a little momentum, it seemed like something went wrong for them. Like they, they'd have a big negative play. Donovan Smith would get sacked or they'd turn it over, whatever. But Ted, I did not think Donovan Smith played particularly well. And, I really don't. I was surprised the situations that Zach Kitley continues to put him in, like just turning him into a drop back passer. I don't feel like they're setting him up for success. That's the same thing that I thought watching that football game. Good offensive coordinators. And I'm not saying he's not a good coordinator, but you have to adapt what you do to who your players are. And they need to make things a little bit easier for Donovan Smith by using his athleticism, making him stress the defense with some run game stuff, getting him outside of the pocket. Um, it's just, it's too much. Like you, if you're playing a guy that looks like Donovan Smith, please, please make him throw it from the pocket. That's what we want. That's what a defense wants him standing back there like a statue looking downfield. When he's out and running, 
that's whenever the stress comes. So I, I think they're making it too hard on him, too easy on the defense. Yeah, and there was a play in this game. Donovan Smith ended up being a lead blocker, and he goes and flattens the corner from NC State. I was just like, whoa. But I, I can't put all the blame on Tech and you know what they're doing offensively. NC State, that, that defense sure. played well. They, they completely shut down Tech's running game. And I thought Texas Tech's defense did their part, man. I thought they played well enough to win the football game. They held Devin Leary and the Wolfpack. What, they have like 270 total yards of offense? That's that's a pretty damn solid defensive performance on the road against a veteran team. Tech's offense just let them down. I mean, turn the football over way too much. Special teams mistake, right? You can't muff putts on the road early in the game and give the other team momentum. Just a lot went wrong for the Red Raiders. And honestly, it was, I mean, it says quite a bit that the game stayed as close as it did when you look at the score because, man, they they made about every mistake you can make. It is a frustration of mine that it's so you can tell when teams emphasize special teams and you can tell when they don't now i'm not saying that oklahoma is not going to make any mistakes on special teams sometimes they just happen right guy doesn't have a good read on the on the ball on a punt just hits him in the wrong spot and he muffs it. Okay. That stuff is going to happen, but it seems to happen to some teams routinely, but you could just tell if you, it doesn't take very much watching Oklahoma to tell that the new regime emphasizes special teams, right? I mean, it's, it's a part of the game plan. It's a part of what they're doing. It's not just a, a buffer point before we get the offense, the football, like it's something to be won or lost in the game. And they attack it that way. Other teams just, there's so much of it across the country. It's, it's insane. Special teams ruins football games for far too many teams. And it shouldn't have to. I, I feel like I've seen more muffed punts ever like this year than ever. Like it's uh, Mississippi state muffed one last night at LSU. Yeah. It's just, yeah, but not a uh, not a good performance from Texas Tech. And, and somehow, late in that game, they still had a chance to go and cover the spread, which they also failed at doing. Okay, <laughs> BYU went to Oregon, and Ooh. we were very wrong about this game. Holy 41-20 to 20 Ducks, and it wasn't even that close. Now, I will say, Oregon's jerseys were awful. I don't know who thought about it's like what, Brown. Yeah. What was that? I, I mean, but Hey, if they're going to play that way, wear the poop Brown Jersey, poop green diarrhea looking jerseys more often because they controlled this entire football game. Start to finish beat BYU up at the line of scrimmage. I thought, I thought Oregon did a nice job running the football. I thought Bo Nix was efficient throwing the ball did some damage with his legs. Like it was the good version of Bo Nix was super effective down by the goal line. But the story of this game, man, Oregon's defense, they kept Jaron Hall in check. They held Chris Brooks, who'd been running wild 
to 28 yards rushing. Chris Brooks did not look like he had a fun time. No. He did not look like he had fun at all. And I it, maybe they fell behind. They fell in that big hole, so maybe they kind of abandoned the game plan a little bit. BYU's typically not built to play from, you know, being down 20 to nothing or whatever it was. But for, the, for Oregon's defense to hold BYU to 61 yards rushing, man, that's a heck of a performance, Ted. No, it was um good bounce back game for them. You know, after yeah. that, that, that Georgia game was, was a brutal one and, you know, everyone had left them for dead, but this, this was a big time win for them against a really solid BYU team. And, Bo Nix looked good, man. He was yeah. making some throws. He looked, he looked, uh, he was moving well back there. He looked sharp. If he plays like that all season, they're going to climb back and be a really dangerous football team. But, you know, consistency has been one of his issues. So we'll see how it goes. But I, I was really impressed with Oregon. Yeah. And I loved how aggressive Dan Lanning was. They went forward on fourth down a lot. I, and I thought the players rewarded him, right? They're converting all of them. And then Oregon's running backs looked like they were in fast forward compared to BYU's guys on defense. Yeah. Those uh, those backs they got, a couple of young guys, man, they were – they got juice. That was the – I think that was maybe the most shocking game of the of the weekend for me. Yeah. I thought um, – I, I thought I like – it never felt like BYU had a chance. No, no, not at all. Which, after watching them play Baylor, and I don't, I'm not sure what that says about Baylor now, but also college football, like the transitive property doesn't work for college football. It just it doesn't. doesn't. No, not at so, all. I, I don't know, but impressive stuff from the Oregon Ducks. Okay, last game, and I stayed up to watch this whole one. I kind of regretted it because it was boring as hell, but – Miami went to College Station to play on to play Texas A&M. The Aggies end up winning seventeen to nine. Hope you all had the under. We talked about this one being a defensive battle, and yeah, both defenses controlled this football game as anticipated. Ted, it is hard to win on the road when you are settling for field goals constantly, and that's what Miami did this entire football game. Five field goal attempts, missed one, had one blocked, and that's where their nine points came from. All field goals. I couldn't believe Mario decided to kick some of them when he did his game management skills. Eh. But ultimately, Miami moved the ball. They just could not execute in the red zone, man. They just could not punch it in the zone. And credit to AM's defense for for it wasn't like a bend but don't break, but they, they really bowed up in the red zone and, and shut the door on the Canes. I'm sorry, but this was a number 13 Miami against the number 24 A&M. This, in my opinion, this football game looked like the two run drums of whatever conference you want battling it out. This was not, uh, top 25 football game, right? It, is is that how it looked to you? It, the, now the atmosphere, like just watching it on TV, the atmosphere, it, it seemed like Kyle Field was rocking, right? But it was the, those, those cult leaders were getting everyone going. I mean, but, you just said it. 
it just it, yeah Miami, it didn't look they had uh, a muff punt a field goal blocked missed one i you can't go beat a team on the road and do that i as soon as they muffed the punt and gave up a touchdown like statistically throughout the history of football they could have ended the game right there right <laughs> and just saved everyone a bunch of time like if you muff a punt lose it and give up a touchdown there it's it, it it's like 90% of the time you're going to lose and not only that, like it was so egregious because AM's offense has struggled so mightily. Like, how do you hand them? Because remember, they score a couple plays later after that muff punt. And and Max Johnson was just kind of out there, right? He was yep. underwhelming. Now he didn't make any critical errors, like the critical errors that Haynes King has been making. So that was a positive, I guess, but I did think Devon A. Chain was the best player on the field. I thought he was a difference in the football game. And AM had him. Miami didn't. Things certainly got real interesting there at the end, though, when Anaya Smith muffed that punt. I don't know how he got back on that, man. That was an incredible display of, oh, shit, what have I done? Like, panic, <laughs> fast-forward movement. You know what I mean? You know, uh, you know the strength that he- – people get if you know like someone's trapped under a car or you like there's something you have to do to save someone's life it's the same thing going after a punt that you've muffed you get that yes. same uh adrenaline rush <laughs> that's that's what it looked like i don't know how he got back on it but um i guess it's a good win for texas a&m but it was i'm with you man it just i don't know it it did not look like a big time game with a lot on the line. I don't know. It was just, it was kind of strange. The AM's game plan, their strategy to win football games is we are just going to wait this thing out and see if we're lucky enough that you will make the mistakes to hand it to us. That is it. They have no ability to put the pressure on the other team. It's just a waiting game. It's like watching a bobber float around in the pond and maybe a, a fish is going to bite it. That's what, yeah. their, that's what their scheme is. Yeah. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first. It's football time in Oklahoma, people. And there's nothing to bet, better to drink at the tailgate than Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers, an Oklahoma company that's already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the tailgate either. Perfect to drink by the drink at the golf course, by the pool after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Variety pack is out. They got some new flavors out. They've got a new can out. To find a place near you that has Clubbies, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. 
Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? This made me happy. This game made me happy. For I don't know, for, for whatever reason, I've been frustrated with the hate that this player has been getting since he went to the league. Tua Tungavailoa, six touchdowns, 469 yards passing mm. in a big-time victory. They get it done and go and knock off the Baltimore Ravens. I think it was on the road, right? That game was in Baltimore. In Baltimore. 42-38, six touchdowns. Let's go. Did did you watch the first half of that game? Did you catch any of it? I caught bits and pieces of it. Utter domination by the Baltimore Ravens. They're up 28 to 7 at half. And they were rolling. Lamar Jackson people like the pay Lamar Jackson tweets were rolling in on Twitter. And I was like, these people are right. He looks amazing. And then an absolute fourth quarter explosion. For Tua. Kill, here we go. Turns out Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, guys, pretty fast or pretty good at football, man. That, hey, that fourth quarter was, I mean, because it was all over red zone because Miami kept playing play after play after play. I felt like I was just watching that game only at that point. And I don't know. I felt good for Tua. It felt like I, I know. It didn't it feel yes. like he seems like a really nice guy guy but people just shit on him constantly and he he balled out in that fourth quarter now you should probably also cover Tyreek Hill that'd be a good idea Baltimore don't know how you leave that guy uncovered that's wild but I guess they were trying to cover Jalen Waddle on that play both of those guys went off 11 for 190 for Tyreek Hill 11 for 171 for Waddle that's a tough little duo you know the best part about it for Tua I think I think this is right. I think he got sacked once. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> yep. mean, it was fun to watch, man. I felt good for him. I know. I, I agree. I thought it was awesome. He, I don't know why I've, I, I just got, I, I, I've got nothing invested in Tua in the dolphins, but I've never understood the level of uh, hatred he's gotten since he's been in the league. So I, I don't know. I was just happy to see him do well, I guess. I'm with you. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Well, I had to find a way to talk about it. So I threw old Dana Holgerson and Houston in there. KU baby, let's go. That's a football team, man. I've been telling anyone that will listen that uh, Jalen Daniels is an absolute beast. They just haven't been able to block for him. Finally got a little, little bit of offensive line in front of him, at least enough to let him breathe. And the dude is balling. I, I agree. And I know we're only through three weeks. Jalen Daniels should be in the conversation for the Heisman trophy up to this point. 
and I know we're only in three weeks, but I don't think anyone across the country has meant more to his team than Jalen Davis. Truly believe that. He has well, been awesome for them. Running the ball, throwing the ball, bringing an attitude and a confidence to that team. He's been tremendous. I know Leopold gets a bunch of the credit, and he deserves a lot of it because he's he's made that a detail-oriented and disciplined program. But Jalen Daniels is making it happen, man. I mean, he's he is one of the most fun players in the country to watch right now. Yep, he is. And yeah, I, I think he deserves to at least be in the conversation at the moment. I mean, he's in charge of the uh, third highest scoring offense in all of college football. Oh, no, they dropped out of first. Yeah, Michigan. They scored 48 and dropped out of first. Michigan is averaging 55 points a game. They haven't and played anyone. Jane, the James Madison Dukes um, have played two games and they're averaging 53 and a half points a game. Okay. Well, but they're still Kansas through three games is scoring 53 points a game. The, the next step for Kansas is probably to figure out how to play a game without falling into a two touchdown hole right off the bat. Yeah. That would be good. As excited as Lance Leopold's got to be about being three and zero, and the fact that game day is not going to Lawrence for that game is ridiculous. Undefeated Duke versus undefeated Kansas next Saturday. They've never been to Lawrence for football, or I can't imagine they have. Maybe they have been. There's no way they have been. I mean, Kansas were good for like a couple of years, but they weren't game day worthy. Good were they? They should probably play every year. Like basketball schools should all play each other in the non-conference. That just should be a pact that they have. It should. Yeah. That actually be kind of entertaining. Yeah. But I, if they can figure out how to not just get punched in the absolute face, like to start the football game, just think <laughs> if they're playing without starting, you know, yeah. spotting the other team 14. Yeah. They're three and oh, they spot everyone 14 out of the gate. It's crazy. I love what they're doing. Um, I think everyone recognizes that Kansas has something going this year, but still, Dana Holgerson, they were supposed to be a really good team this year. And what are they, one and two right now? Correct. He he may be working himself into a bad position. I I completely agree. Them they the middle of that football game. Kansas, I watched it on Sunday. Kansas whooped their ass. I know they did. It and was, they did it late. Was... Like when whenever it was late, and you know that Kansas is just gonna start running the football, they ran it right at them, right down their throat, and there was not a damn thing Houston could do about it. They're running it's like triple option. It's doesn't look fun to defend. I'll say that. <laughs> the mighty Jayhawks. Of Kansas football. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier 
First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You've got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, the Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with the Pac-12. Looks like that conference is going to be a little more fun than we thought. Washington looked really good. Beat the hell. That was a beatdown. Out of Michigan State. That was impressive stuff from Michael Penix and the Huskies. USC, they end up rolling Fresno State. Caleb Williams looks good. He looks really good. That offense is humming, which is not surprising. That guy coaching them, pretty good when it comes to calling offense. Yeah, we we, we saw that for a while. Also, Oregon smacked Michigan State, or Michigan State. Oregon smacked BYU. Utah, of course, is still going to be right in the middle of the things there in the Pac-12. Like the Pac-12 is, it's looking like it's going to be more fun than we thought, Ted. Yeah. And to add to the fun, Arizona State has uh, fired Herm Edwards. Cliff Kingsbury with the way that the Cardinals are playing. Maybe he wants that job. (laughs) Perhaps. But yeah, so Pac-12 looking more fun. But my, my winner of the weekend the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Because I'm, hey, you played for them. I played for them. Dan Campbell's the man. So happy for Lions fans. Looked pretty good. Now I know it got a little interesting late, but jump out to that big lead in the first half. What, 22 to nothing at half against the Commanders? Carson Wentz is just, I mean, God bless Commanders fans. It's going to be a long season watching that guy play quarterback. Oh, boy. But they fought back, made things interesting, but ultimately the Lions able to get it done. They win 36 to 27. And I thought I thought Jared Goff was solid for them. And Amon Ross St. Brown, that's a dude right there, man. Yep. He's gonna be a star if he's not already. Like he is putting up numbers, couple of receiving touchdowns, had that big run on the end around, just looking good, but it just brought a smile on my face, a smile to my face watching the Detroit Lions win a football game. Ted, I was really, really happy. That was fun. Yeah, it was. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is an ass kicker. What was it? He had like three sacks in the first half. I, 
you know, I didn't, I, I don't know what the tally was, but being able to watch how he practices and everything through that hard knocks, he is going to be an ass kicker for a while that he's, he's, I mean, he's, he's like a, he's like a TJ Watt type of type of guy. I mean, but it, his arms are short. They don't appear to be uh, <laughs> no like, kidding. Cause he, what, what He's got some moves off the edge. His motor is crazy. He's strong as hell. That's fun, man. I, I love seeing the Lions win. I love seeing Dan Campbell win. That's fun. Good stuff. I I really enjoyed it. I had a fun time. I got a little nervous there when it started to get tight, but then I was like, oh, Carson Wentz is the quarterback for the other team. The Lions are good here. They're fine. They'll finish this out. Carson Wentz is truly something. I, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone, and he's probably the greatest guy ever. But has he? He's his. The own fans where he's played have never liked him. I don't know if his teammates like him. There's something about the dude that is just like, I don't know what it is. It's weird. Yeah. No, I don't think many people <laughs> like him. <laughs> I don't. I think that's why Indianapolis got rid of him. They're like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> it is. Well, it is strange. Philly couldn't wait to get him out of town. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah. I don't I don't know the guy, but never heard. Eh, we don't need to spend any more time on Carson Wentz. <laughs> right. All right. For my loser of the weekend. Thought about going with Brian Harson. Oh, boy. Penn State. Came to Auburn and smacked that ass. Yes, they did. I mean, and I, I suppose that's what happens when you lose the turnover battle, uh, turnover battle 4 0. Yeah. And can't stop the run. But it just, man, it feels like that thing has run its course, right? The, the attempted coup, it, it, it didn't work, but he feels like a lame duck head coach to me. Yeah. Yep. There's no doubt. I, I, Credit where credit's due. Penn State went down there and played a, a good, tough football game. Um, even though they, their quarterback tried to get himself killed uh, out there on the field. What was he doing? He, Sean Clifford <laughs> tends to do that. It's kind of his thing. It's kind of what he does. Oh, my God. Keep your head on a swivel, kid. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. Sean Clifford. The gift. He's truly the gift that keeps on giving to college football. I, 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 he is worth the price of admission because it could be, I mean, it's, it's going to be a roller coaster no matter what. Absolutely. Okay. I also thought about going with the old Cincinnati Bengals, go to Dallas and lose. What's going on with the offense? Cooper rush leading the Cowboys to a victory over Joe Burrow in the Bengals. And they had the sweet black jerseys on still took an L that. Cincinnati fans have to be kind of freaking out a little bit. Uh, every time I look up, Burrow's getting—he's either getting sacked or he's had to scramble and run for his life. Uh, offense just not clicking for some reasons right now. It's okay. It took a while for it to get rolling last year. Yeah, I also thought, man, I've got a lot of honorable mentions, but I mean, we got NFL, well, there's college a lot football. of losers out there. <laughs> yeah, I—I I thought about going with Troy. Oh. I mean, you 
they had App State, and game day was there. They were there to destroy everyone in Boone's night and to lose on that Hail Mary. Beautiful execution by App State, right? You got the guy in front. You got the guy behind. You got your tip guy. It worked perfectly. But, man, Troy was – they were close, but I can't imagine what – Boone the, and all those app state fans. I can't imagine what that night was like. Oh my gosh. I saw him jumping into some pond somewhere. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> They're up in the mountains, man. Just doing weird stuff. Like, I love it. What's going to happen next week. We can't wait. It's been an ongoing party out there. It's crazy. Yeah. But I ended up settling on the Cleveland Browns as my loser of the weekend. And listen, I understand a lot of people that listen to this podcast that have aban- abandoned their Cleveland Browns fandom, I get it. But Joe Thomas, friend of the podcast, one of my favorite teammates ever, tremendous human being, got inducted into the Browns Ring of Honor on Sunday. Nick Chubb scores to make it 30-17 to 17 with a minute 55 left to go in the fourth quarter. And the Browns blow a 13-point lead at home to the New York Jets, who is being quarterbacked by Joe Flacco. (laughs) And I just, I felt so bad for Joe Thomas because he's the best, like he's the man. And it felt like the most Browns thing ever that they would blow that lead on his day. Like the guy couldn't catch a single break when he was playing for the franchise. They honor him and they ruin it. And uh, blown coverage gives Corey Davison just a walk in touchdown from 60 plus. <laughs> then the Jets recover an onside kick. Then Flacco takes him right down the field against the vaunted Browns defense and wins the game. Uh, it just, I, I don't feel bad for the Browns but I feel bad for my man, Joe Thomas. That had to be so painful. And I almost texted him and was like, I love you, man. I'm so sorry. But I was like, it's probably better to just leave it alone. Joe Flacco. To Joe Flacco in the Jets. <laughs> 13 point lead with a minute 55 to go. Did they win last week too? Did the Jets win last week? Why do I feel uh... like Flacco got a win last week too? The New wrong? York Jets are one and one. They did not win last week. They lost 24 to nine to the Baltimore Ravens. Hmm. All right. How about that? Good job, Browns. Flacco. Uh, just <laughs> they're putting in Joe Thomas is arguably the most popular player in the history of that franchise. And you blow a lead like that on his day. Are you serious, guys? <sighs> I, I, I guarantee you that made a lot of people happy watching them blow that lead though around here. <laughs> I get it, but it made me sad because, and it's like they sent stuff out to like any, if you had played with Joe Thomas, they sent you something inviting you to it. Like I was kind of bummed. It was like alumni weekend, the whole thing, they did it big. And then they blew it like that. I was just, Oh, felt so bad for him. It's the it's back to being the Browns. I back to being the Browns. 
Who knows? Episode 250. In the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Wednesday-ish. We haven't decided when we're going to record, but just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. We always do it. Take care of each other.